are listening to The Recovered Therapist, brought to you by FreshOutOfPlans.com. I'm Jeannie Griffin, and I'll be your host. Instead of focusing on labels, diagnoses, and psychobabble, we keep things honest, simple, and hopeful so that you can grow personally and spiritually. Thank you for joining me. Someone wrote in and asked me to talk about cutting someone else out of your life and the grief that comes along with doing that. So, um, the first thing I want to say is don't write the ending. Okay? Setting boundaries in a relationship may mean the end of that relationship. That's true. But it also may not. Uh, What you need to let go of is the timing of it. So, um, when somebody needs to be cut out of your life, Uh, That's not an easy decision, and it may take you several tries before you finally accomplish it. So I want you to ask yourself, what kind of hangover do I experience in relationship with this person? Now, what do I mean by that? Um, I once enjoyed somebody's company, and um, so it felt like a relationship that I'd want to have it be reciprocal. But anytime I would reach out, it was almost like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, That's not the kind of relationship we have. Um, I need to be the, the, the one that contacts you. And so I'm not comfortable with you contacting me. And, you know, and I thought, well, that's, that's a one way street. And I don't, I mean, (laughs) I do one-way streets with the IRS, but please, um, if I think of you as my friend or my, you know, I hate to use the word relationship because we have relationships all over the place and not just with that love connection. But if I think of you as a friend, then I feel like I could call you up and say, hey, let's have lunch or let's have breakfast or let's have a cup of coffee or you want to go to a movie or have some sort of idea of something that I would invite you to and that we could enjoy each other's company. Now, if that's not the way the other person wants it to be, then I've got to assess, do I want a one-way relationship with this person And if so, what kind of one-way relationship is it? You know, is it a booty call? Is that what's going on here? Or is it um, somebody who's real secretive and I don't know what else is going on in their lives? Um, Not that I need to know everything, but it's like, no, if I don't have the freedom to be able to, you know, ask you to join me, why? Why don't I have that freedom? Um, Do you just not want any new friends? Uh, Are you married? Uh, What's, are you just a control freak? What? And so starting off on that foot would raise a bunch of red flags for me. So I then might begin to realize that, okay, when even let's say a phone call, if that person calls me and I enjoy the conversation and then hang up, um, it's like, well, 
how come I don't have the same, I guess, right or um, permission or whatever the word is to just out of the blue, if I feel like talking to you, picking up the phone and calling. So you have to begin to say, what do I feel like after I'm with this person? And that's what I mean by the hangover. You still may enjoy them, but then what? Then the next time you think, hey, I think I'll call that person. And um, yeah, but I can't because that's not the kind of relationship we have. Well, if you come away feeling uh, less than, um, controlled, um, not knowing what the rules are, Anything that is somewhat negative, it just doesn't feel right. It feels sticky or it feels um, like you don't quite know the rules to this game. And if that's the case, then you have to evaluate, you know what? I don't think this is working for me. And I'm not going to put a bunch of rules on you, and I don't mean to... Um, issue an ultimatum, but you know, it's just not working for me. <laughs> Remember, I had a relationship like this one time that was, could have gone somewhere even romantically, but this person was real well defended. And one day woke me up from a nap and, uh, you know, I just gruff, I'm not a very good happy camper if I get waked up. So, you know, I said, Oh, hi. Well, you don't sound very happy. And I said, no, you woke me up. Uh, well, and finally, and I was wanted to go back to sleep. So finally I said, what do you want? Well, I thought we were friends. And I said, no, we're not friends. Friends have a reciprocal relationship. This is one-sided and doesn't work for me. So if you ever want to, you know, have a reciprocal relationship, be it uh, platonic and just going to movies or going to ride a bike or do something like that or having coffee or lunch, call me back. But otherwise, no, this isn't, this isn't my idea of friendship. And I hung up. <laughs> now, uh, I'll talk about the grief in a minute because that, that sometimes you can, you know, get out of relationships and they, they don't involve a bunch of grief. But uh, in this one, I thought, what a shame because I really enjoyed this person and I thought it might could go somewhere, but um, you know what? I have, at that point in my life, had been down enough streets where I wasn't totally appreciated, and I wasn't willing to do it anymore. That brings me up to an old saying that I tell people about, and young people look at me like, okay, she really has flipped out now. But it's an old saying that says, don't cast your pearls before swine. Okay, what does that mean? Your pearls are your good qualities, the things you contribute and you bring to a relationship. You know, if I'm, you know, if you're my friend, you bring to our relationship good qualities about you. Now, I'm not saying you can't be, you know, angry at times and show yourself like an idiot. We all can. But you bring some special qualities. And if I am not at a place in my life where I can appreciate that, don't waste them on me, okay? Don't offer your gifts or your pearls before 
people who are not able to, because of their own life, not able to appreciate them. Uh, we would say today in the new uh, kind of energy market, we would say they don't vibrate at the same level you do. Well, however you explain it, it's just, it ain't working for you, okay? You come out shortchanged. So don't waste your good qualities and the things that maybe somebody else would appreciate. Trying to get the other person to see them, acknowledge them, or even reciprocate, okay? Now, what if <clears throat> getting out of this relationship leaves you with a lot of grief? Well, I've been in there before, too. And there are a number of things that I finally did that I have to turn around and thank that person. Not literally, but if I hadn't been so hurt, I would not have surrendered everything over to my higher power. Okay. Now, you know I'm going to talk about something spiritual, so just don't turn off the podcast now. But every time this one person that I chose to leave, and it came with a lot, a lot of pain, and it came with a lot of regret. My ego was involved, and I was going to make this thing work or force this thing to work, force it to fit. So everybody who wondered why the hell I was in this relationship um, would be proven wrong. So my ego was involved as well. Um, I knew I shouldn't be in this thing, you know. Um, but nonetheless, it was one of those things I had to go down. One of my uh, cul-de-sacs, I had to go run around the cul-de-sac several times to see if I could get hurt 23 times instead of one time. And so every time I would get a call or a message and, you know, this person say, hey, I'm going to come over this afternoon. I used a mantra, but I'm telling you, don't pray for this if you don't want it, because it'll it'll end up happening for sure. I would say two things. God, reveal to me what you would have me know about this person. And if you're having a struggle with God, that's fine. But you got to talk to a concept of a higher power as if it was there. I don't care what it is or what you name it, but you have to say, okay, help me. Do for me what I cannot do for myself and reveal to me what you would have me know about this person, this relationship. Hold on to your trousers if uh, you pray those prayers because they will be answered. And so I would say, oh, uh, do for me what I can't do for myself. Now, see, the way I used to pray, it would have been something like, oh, don't let them come over. Don't let them come over. No, no, no. I'm done with prescribing what's best for me. So I just simply say, do for me what I can't do for myself. Because at that time, it was such a toxic relationship, and I was still so hurting that I was afraid if this person showed up on my doorstep, I'd let him in. And then here we go, another cycle of this thing. So when I prayed, do for me what I can't do for myself and do for this person what they can't do for themselves and reveal to me what you would have me know about this whole mess. Wow. 
the person wouldn't show up. Um, I would get another invitation to go somewhere, maybe a movie with somebody else. Um, I would be just do the next right thing, like go fix dinner, and I would feel a peace. So what I learned is I had to surrender every single area of my life to this power. You want to run my personal relationship? Okay, here you go. Do for me what I can't do for myself. You want to run my uh, business? Okay, here. You want to run my finances? Okay, here. Um, you want to find a new place for me to live? Okay, here. Um, but I didn't get, I didn't come happily skipping along to that place. I arrived at that place fresh out of plans. I was hurting. And I knew I couldn't fix this thing, and I was tired of hurting. So it's like the grief that came with that relationship taught me more and more about how to turn this over to this thing I couldn't see, this power that had no pants on. And somehow, when I stopped trying to, quote, figure it out, this power did for me in my life what I couldn't do for myself. And I do that today. That was many years ago, and I do that today. If I'm grieving, here, take it, take it. Because I know my higher power does not want me to live in hurt and pain and poverty and sadness and depression and anxiety and all of that. This power is abundant, is creative. You you don't know that for sure. You're, you know, fighting with it. Look at nature. There's such abundance everywhere in nature. Now, you can go look at all the poverty and you can look at all the, the bad stuff, or you can focus on the abundance. Look, wherever you are right now, look at two trees. Pick out two trees standing next to one another. Are they arguing about how many trees each one of them has? I've got more than you do. You only have 437. I have more than that. Are they arguing about what kind of car they're going to drive? Are they jealous of each other? No. There is such abundance of leaves. Every spring, that tree is naked as it can be through the summer. I mean, excuse me, through the winter. And then it blooms and blossoms. And, you know... Dead trees have limbs that have branches, excuse me, that have leaves stuck on them, dead leaves. But dead leaves hang on to dead branches. When the winter is over and those little buds start, when the winter is over and those little buds on that tree or that little tiny plant comes pushing up through the ground, it has abundance it reaches for the sun, it reaches for the air, it reaches for growth. So that's what's going to happen. We're so frightened as a, you know, uh, human beings that we're going to lose something or we're not going to get something. And every time you worry about that, every time lack is a part of your thinking or your, it's nothing but fear, it does not happen. It doesn't happen. 
let's say in a forest, all the trees are giant, huge, big, say, redwoods, just to the sky. <clears throat> and then here's this one little tree that looks kind of like a mutation. So everybody would look at that and say, oh, that's the ugly tree. But guess what? At the very tip top of that forest, the ugly tree couldn't grow big and tall. So above it is an opening. And in that opening, rain and sunshine can come through that forest down to the little dwarfed ugly tree. And beside the ugly tree are little tiny blossoms, little flowers that grow, and little chicories that run around in the forest. All sorts of little critters. And it's beautiful. It's different, but it's beautiful. So grief won't last forever. You won't be grieving the loss of that person. Even if it's grief from death, losing somebody through death, you'll grieve and the relationship will definitely have changed. But over time, if you let go of your expectations and you ask God to show you, show me what I'm not seeing, reveal to me what you'd have me know about this, you're going to get answers. You're going to get affirmations. You're going to get connections that you can't explain. And you will be in a place to know that the one thing you can absolutely trust is this thing called a higher power. And stop trying to figure it out. That's the arrogance. How do we, how can we possibly figure out this thing that keeps Saturn on its axis? You know? And another tool, if you're having trouble with the grief from losing a relationship or cutting somebody out of your life, and you're having trouble with this concept of a higher power, do yourself a favor and get online and look at the James Webb telescope photographs or the old photographs that we had from Hubble. The photographs from Hubble were phenomenal, but I mean these James Webb, we can see millions of miles away. And if you have any doubt that something is expanding and creating the beauty that you see out there and all of the galaxies, whoa, there's no way to understand it. But in your heart, you will recognize that it's, it's a power and it can reveal itself to you in a way that you can understand. I hope that helps. Thank you for listening to The Recovered Therapist, where we keep topics honest, simple, and hopeful. I love you. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. Until next time.